Welcome to The Mountain Podcast. The Mountain Church is dedicated to helping people love Jesus and the people they encounter every day. Today, you will listen to our most recent Sunday sermon. So sit back, relax, and let Jesus speak to you wherever you may be. And now, this week's sermon. I love this church. I love the leadership at this church. I'm so grateful to be a part of this house and what God is doing here with us today. And um, uh, we are in week three in the midst of our series of Holy Spirit. I'm just going to jump in right uh, and, and right in the middle of it. Um, Tim did such an amazing job in the first week just laying such a foundation for what Holy, for who Holy Spirit is and what his role is in our life. And uh, uh, Pastor Sam, pray for Pastor Sam and Pastor Jess. They're suffering on the beaches of Hawaii. So we want to we wanna pray for them and, uh, as, as God has called them uh, to minister. I pray one day that God may call me as a missionary maybe to like, you know, the Bahamas, the Vir- one of the uh, remote, remote islands in the Caribbean or something like that. But uh, we pray for him. We, we appreciate our pastor. And uh, so, so today I'm going to share a little bit of what God has put on my heart. And if you have your Bible, we're going to open up to Acts chapter 2. Um, Again, concerning Holy Spirit here today. I'm excited about what Holy Spirit has put on my heart to share with you today. Um, just real quick, I want to acknowledge my most amazing, beautiful, gorgeous wife, Ashley Thompson, Ashley Garcia Thompson. Some of you may not know, we are like very brand new. Oh, yeah, you can give her, come on, you can clap it up for my wife. She is amazing. For those of you who know her, for those of you who don't know her, she is so gifted, so creative, and we've been in our building here so fresh, so brand new for just a little bit, and it took a lot for us to get in here, so those of you who know, right? There's a lot of, there was a lot of sacrifice, a lot of, you know, late nights, early mornings, long days just to get stuff ready, and my wife was a part of the team. She actually was the one that created the, the wall that you see behind us. She, with her creativity, she put everything together um, and uh, put it up, applied it. She was here hours, weeks, days on end just to get this done. I believe Jessica Fulmer and some others helped out as well. But I uh, just want to give a quick shout out to my wife. Man, you're so incredible, and I appreciate you. Uh, we celebrate 15 years of marriage uh, this year. Um, man, I tell you, every day I wake up feeling like I won the lottery. And every day she wakes, wakes up feeling like she wish I had. So it's a little bit different story, you know what I mean? Just a little bit different story with us. But, uh, man, I, I'm, I'm so blessed. I, I stole that from one of my pastor friends. That's not original, by the way. just wanted to say that. Amen. Acts chapter 2, if you have your word. Am I too loud, guys? Am I too loud? Are you sure? Okay, because sometimes I may elevate my voice. So if I start to shout and it gets too loud, just say, hey, turn it down. We can turn it down. Um, Acts chapter 2. Verse 1, we're going to read the first four verses, and it says this, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord. They weren't in an Acura. They weren't in a Nissan. They weren't in any of They were in one accord <laughs> in one place. It's one of my favorite jokes, man. <laughs> they were all in one accord in one place, and suddenly, check this out, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven. I want you to key in on this next part of the verse. There came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. A rushing mighty wind. And this is what it did. It said it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues of fire, and one sat upon each of them. Verse 4. And they were all filled. They were all filled. Somebody say filled. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. 
and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for this opportunity to dive right into your word. And thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're already here moving and working in our midst. God, already speaking to us, already working what you desire to work, Father God. And we just simply ask you to have your way. We ask you to open our hearts to what you want us to receive today. God, may we not miss anything that you desire for us to receive from you. Let nothing stand in the way from you doing what you want to do in our lives in this moment, in this place, in this atmosphere. Remove all distraction, God. Remove all worry. Holy Spirit, remove all fear. Anything that that may be occupying, God, the space where you're meant to have right now in our hearts, I pray that you would do that, Lord Jesus. Help me to communicate your word, God, as effectively as, Lord, you desire. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I thought it was so funny as we were singing the worship song, move mighty breath of God blow in this place at the landscaper. I don't know if you can see, he was out here. He had the blower and he was just blowing. I'm like, Jesus, you are, we are so right on prophetic today, God. <laughs> blow in this place. But I believe God wants to blow in us today. He wants to breathe into us today. He wants to give us new life today. How many, how many need the breath of God in this place this morning? How many feel like you need the, the freshness or the fresh wind of the Holy Spirit to breathe into you? I know I do. Just a little bit about me. I know some of you have heard my testimony, but uh, for those who you haven't, I'm just going to share a little bit of it. Um, I was raised in church. I was one of those kids that, that fighted teeth, tooth and nail to go to church. We went to church you know, probably seemed like 20 times a week, right? And I, I absolutely did not like it. I only went because I knew that there was a strong hand of my mom and dad that had enforcement. If we didn't, if I didn't get up on a Sunday morning and go to church or a Sunday night or a Wednesday night or a Tuesday morning in between recess or where Thursday or choir or whatever it was. So I was just like, man, this church thing, uh, I wasn't feeling it. Church was more like my mother's thing, right? She was the pioneer. She was the one that was passionate, on fire, in love with God in our family. Right. My dad, he was, yeah, yeah, I think he was along for the ride. Right. But my mom, she was all out. So she, so since she was all out, we had to be all out with her and didn't really, wasn't really feeling the whole church thing, but I did have this encounter with God when I was about seven or eight years old where God, it almost seemed like the experience when Jesus was baptized and the Bible says the heavens opened up, the spirit of God came down on Jesus and God said, this is my beloved son who I am well pleased. God, I didn't hear the audible voice of God. Matter of fact, I didn't hear anything, but it felt like the, the heavens opened up. I was in this auditorium, and it feels like the, 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 the lid or the roof of this building just got lifted off, and it was like the sun was shining down on me, and all, all I could do was just sit there and cry. I didn't know why. I just associated crying with pain because I would get whoopings all the time, right? I didn't know why I was crying. Like, I could probably write a book 101 ways of how to receive a whooping, right? I was a pro at that, and I was like, man, I'm not, I don't see nobody behind me with a bell. Why am I crying right now? But from that moment, God showed up in my life, and he showed me that he was real, right? So continue on, still wasn't feeling the whole church thing. Knew that God was real, but still wasn't about to, you know, I would, I would skip out. My mom would drop me off at Sunday school. We would, we would ditch, and we would go to the corner store, right? She thought I was learning about God, but I was over there, like, hanging out with my friends, right? Come back just in time for church to get out. Hey, hey how you doing, Mom? Man, it was so good today. Praise God. Praise the Lord. God is so good. Then my parents got divorced, right? My parents got divorced, and, and it was just a hard time for both my parents, but specifically for my mom, and we just stopped going to church all together. So I'm just like, glory, God, you are real. We don't have to go to church no more. 
I can wake up on Sunday morning, watch my cartoons, do my stuff, do my thing. And then my life started to drift down the wrong path. I started to hang out with the wrong people. I started to get into the wrong things. And my life just took a turn from that point until I reached uh, my sophomore year in high school when God used one of my high school teammates. I played football. He used him to help draw me into who he is. He invited me to church. I'm like, man, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to do this thing. I don't want, I, I grew up going to church. I remember what church is like. I don't want to go. And my friend, he just kept inviting me. He kept inviting me. So I caved in because some other of my football teammates were going and they were pressuring me. It's like, hey man, just come. I'm like, okay, all right, I'll go. So I went. And then when I went to church at that moment, it was different from the previous times that I experienced. I came into contact with a God who I dis- dis- discovered really loved me. I discovered that he wasn't about me just going to church, clocking in, clocking out, saying that, hey, you're religious because you went to church and you got your church stuff on and, and you look nice when you came to church and you checked that box off in the week and now you can move on to the rest. I came to a place of real relationship with who Jesus is. It's like, man, like God started to like show me that he was in my life and that he, was, he had never left my life and that he, he wanted to speak to me. He wanted to lead me. He wanted to direct me. He had this amazing plan for me that I knew nothing about and that he wanted me to be as close to him as he wanted to be to me. And that's when Jesus became real. So I said, yes, God, I'm all in, right? One of the models of, of Mountain Church, we are all in, right? I said, Jesus, I am all in. I gave my heart to the Lord. And from that moment, I haven't turned back. Has it been perfect? No. Has it been easy? No. Heavens, no, right? But God literally came in and changed my life when I said yes to him. When I said yes to him. So fast forward, okay, I gave my life to the Lord. Summer of 1996, I said yes to Jesus. Fast forward about three months, there was this youth conference that our our church had, because now I was in, right? I was going to our youth ministry. I'm like, Jesus, whatever you got, I want. So there was um, this youth conference that I went to. It was like three days on the weekend, and there was this pastor, right, or this preacher, this evangelist. I didn't even know what to call him at the moment, but he was up front, and he was just talking, and he was talking about Jesus so passionately, and he had on this passion and this fire about who Jesus was to him and about this mission that God had given us as his church to go and reach the lost, to go and preach the good news to those who hadn't heard it. And then after he got done preaching, I was just like, man, and, and this, this man of God, is actually, I've actually grown in a relationship with him. He's a good friend and a mentor to, to this very day. But he invited um, all, the, all of us as young people, he invited us up to the front, is what we call the altar. He says, if you want more of the Holy Spirit, if you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, just come up front. And, like, I grew up in a church that was Pentecostal, and I had seen, like, what I thought was weird stuff. So I'm like, I don't know if I want to get that, right? But then the, the thought hit me is like, if this is what God wants and if this is a part of him, then I want everything that he has. So I, I went up and I prayed and I said, God, I want all that you have for me. I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So I prayed and nothing happened, right? So I'm up there and I'm praying and nothing happened. So I'm up there, I'm praying, I'm praying and nothing happened. And it, it feels like I'm up there for like days, right? It's really not days, it's probably minutes, but nothing is happening. And all of a sudden, I just have this overwhelming sense of the Holy Spirit that began to fill me, right? I began to, I couldn't explain it, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't put words to it, but I, the Holy Spirit just began to fill me. And I began to speak 
in other tongues, like the, whole, like the Bible says in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, when we read that, when they said they spoke in other tongues, really is they spoke in other languages. Other known languages that other people around the world that spoke, they could understand them. Now, there's two, I don't want to get too technical, two in the weeds, but when we read in the book of Acts and beyond, we read about tongues. There's two types of tongues. There's tongues that's interpretable, other languages, like if I go to another country like Brazil and I don't know Portuguese, Portuguese, the Holy Spirit has the ability to empower me to speak in Portuguese, though I didn't never grew up learning that language. I've heard testimonies that time and time again. So that's one tongue that you read about, and that's what happened on the day of Pentecost because the Bible says that there was other uh, people from other regions that spoke other languages. They were in this place to celebrate uh, and, and People, the Holy Spirit began to fill the 120 in the upper room, and they began to speak in these known languages. And as, as we go further on, you see tongues that's not interpretable. It's your language to the Father, right? It's, it's our heavenly language. It's our spirit connecting with God's spirit. And that's what I, I began to speak in is, is a tongue. I, I didn't really, like, this thing was, like, so weird to me. I'm like, God, what is going on? Couldn't understand it. Couldn't describe it. All I knew is two things, that this what was happening to me was real. Just like I experienced maybe seven or eight years before, what was going on right there at that moment was real. I knew that, and, and this thing was of God. And if this thing was real, and if this thing was God, I wanted all that God had for me in that very moment. So this summer, I celebrate 26 years of walking with the Holy Spirit, of walking with the Lord. And I tell you, from that moment, Holy Spirit I will never forget that day. I will never forget that, that place in my journey and my faith. And the Holy Spirit has been so pivotal, pivotal in certain instances and in certain things all throughout my journey of faith. I don't know truly that I, if I would still be following Jesus like I am had it not been for the Holy Spirit in my life. Man, daily, I try to put myself in a position to experience and commune with Holy Spirit. I still pray in tongues. I still pray in my heavenly language. Do I fully understand it? No, I still don't fully understand it, but I receive it because things that God gives us by faith, we don't need to understand fully, right? Sometimes if we wait to fully understand what God is and who he, or who he is and what he has for us, we will never receive it. There's some things in this word and there's some things that God has for us that until the other side of eternity, we won't understand. But you say, man, that thing is weird. I don't get that. I don't really get, let me wait, let me wait, let me hold on a second. Let me dive in. Let me do a little bit more study before I receive. You're, you're probably going to be waiting a long time. God says the things that we receive, we receive by faith, right? We walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. All right. A couple of points I want to share with you, and then I want to try to get out the way because I feel like Holy Spirit wants to move in this place this morning. I feel like Holy Spirit wants to do some things in us and through us. So I want to give him an opportunity to do that. Say my peace and move out the way, all right? Holy Spirit, I believe, like he did with me, he, he, he is, he, the Holy Spirit is essential to our adoption. And I believe Pastor Tim touched on this when he spoke the first week. But just as we look in Romans chapter 8, the Bible says we have not been given a spirit that makes us a slave again to the bondage of fear, but we've been given a spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, right? We're adopted into his family. And another verse in John chapter 1 says, to those who have received him, those who have believed in his name, to them he has given the right to become children of God. 
That's what it says in John 1. Somebody, I heard a, a friend, they were, they were talking to me, and I don't, I don't think they necessarily like knew Scripture or even believed in Jesus. But like, man, we're all God's children, right? And I was like, uh, technically that's not true. We're not all God's children. God says, to them who have received me, to them who have believed in me, to them I've given the right to become children of God. Now, we're all God's creation. God has made each and every one of us. The Bible says he's knit us together in our mother's womb, right? He knows every day before each one of them will be. But the right to become a child of God comes with first by believing and then receiving. So when we believe and we receive, then we become adopted into his family. And I love Jesus, man. I love Jesus. You know what Jesus does? Jesus comes to represent us to the Father. That when we say yes to him, God no longer looks at us with our mistakes. He no longer looks at us with our faults. He no longer looks at us in our sin and our place of confusion and broke down, busted, disgusted self, right? With all these issues, you know what God does? He looks at us through the lens of Jesus Christ. He sees the perfection, the sinless, the holy life of Jesus, and God looks at us through the lens of Jesus. So Jesus stands in the place between us and the Father to represent us to the Father. But you know what's even greater than that? Jesus not only represents us to the Father, Jesus represents the Father to us. Goodness gracious, I'm going to say that again. Jesus not only represents us to the Father, but he represents the Father to us. Some people have maybe a a skewed uh, vision of who God the Father is, like that God is just some mean person up in heaven just waiting to pour out wrath, waiting to get all of humanity for all of their mistakes and sins. But Jesus says, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. No one's seen the Father, but if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. Think about Jesus and the life that he lived. Man, Jesus was compassionate. He was kind. He was forgiving. He was patient. When we want to get a picture of the Father, who our Heavenly Father, our Abba, that we've been adopted into his family, we can look at Jesus. Come on. Let Jesus bust that bubble of the mentality of, of uh, uh, maybe a mis, uh, misconception of who you believe God to be. God is perfect in, in all, all his being, and he's standing in the place representing the Father to us. Okay, if we can put John 3 up on the screen, and I'm going to try to paraphrase this just to walk us through, and I'm really trying to be conscious with my time. John 3, um, uh, really, in this, in this passage of Scripture, Jesus encounters this religious leader named Nicodemus, and I'll just read it to you if we don't, uh, it's not working. Okay, no worries. If you have it in your Scripture, I, I will read it. Uh, to you as well if we don't have it on the screen. Jesus encountered this religious man named Nicodemus. The Bible calls him a Pharisee, and he was a ruler of the Jews, right? And Jesus approaches, or Nicodemus approaches Jesus, the Bible says, at night, right? He wanted to have a conversation with Jesus at night, and he says, basically, rabbi, which means teacher. He says, we know that you are a teacher that's from God. Oh, check this out. We do God. Glory. God works, doesn't he? Any good? Any good? I know ain't is not a good word, but any good? All the time. So he, he says, uh, Rabbi, or, we know that you are a teacher that is sent from God, and nobody can do the wonders or signs that you do unless God is with him, right? So Nicodemus approaches Jesus that way, and Nicodemus, this religious leader, this man that had probably hours and hours and hours of religious study and seminary, all of his theological learning, Nicodemus came to the place that he realized that Jesus had something that he didn't have, right? 
And Jesus, he dismisses all that. He doesn't even acknowledge the fact that this religious Jewish leader calls him a teacher. But Jesus gets right to the point. He cuts to the chase. He says, most assuredly, I say it unto you, unless one is born again, he can't even see the kingdom of heaven. Unless one is born again, he cannot even see the, the kingdom of heaven. And I can imagine Nicodemus scratching his head like, man, I'm just trying to talk to Jesus. And he's talking about being born again. What is this born again thing, right? And, he's, and Nicodemus finally verbalizes probably his confusion. He says, can, can a man be born again when he's old? Can, can he go back into his mother's room a second time and be born? And, and Jesus Again, says, I, I see, Nicodemus, you're not getting it, so let me break it down for you a little bit further, right? He says, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. He says, there is a natural birth. You've already accomplished that one. You're here, you're, you're talking to me right now. You were born of of the flesh, or you had a natural water birth, but then there's another birth that you need to experience if you want to come into the kingdom, and that's a spiritual birth. Sometimes, you know, as God communicates or he conversates with us, he realizes in all his patience and grace and humility that, that we interpret things, we interpret his words through our, our carnal, humanly finite paradigm our way of thinking. And a lot of times we don't naturally get what he's trying to say, right? Because God is up here and we're down here, but he understands that with patience and grace. And Jesus, he says, I'm going to try to help you to see if you can get this. Okay, there's a natural birth and there's a supernatural birth that needs to take place in your life for you to just come to the kingdom. Verse seven, he says, don't marvel that I said to you, you must be born again because the wind blows. Did you catch that? Because the wind blows. I want you to notice that theme. Because the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it. Check this out. This is important for your conversion. You have not been yet converted, but you desire to be converted. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Just real quick, take inventory. Have you been born of the Spirit this morning? We've all been born of the water. We've all had a natural birth. At least, I don't know if anybody here just came straight from heaven. I know probably my wife did, but um, <laughs> we've all had the experience of being born in the flesh. But have you been born again? Jesus says, unless you're born again, you cannot even get into the kingdom of God. Jesus uses this metaphor of wind for Holy Spirit. Not only Holy Spirit, but his role at our conversion, which is such a supernatural thing. And the same Greek word, check this out, the same Greek word used in that verse, verse 8, for spirit is used for that same word wind. It's the same thing, pneuma. That which is born of the spirit, or that which is born of pneuma, is spirit, or the wind blows, sorry, the wind blows, the pneuma blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from. So who is everyone who was born of pneuma? That's the same Greek word. It's interesting as we look at the concept of wind. It is simply just, this is all it is, air in motion. It's just air in motion. And wind has no material shape or form. It is invisible. We cannot see the source or destination of the wind. It is mysterious, unseen force. Nevertheless, its presence it's no, is known by its effects. Just like Holy Spirit, 
Now, uh, uh, Tim did such an incredible job talking about the person of Holy Spirit. Like, he's not just some force. He's not just this, this nameless, faceless power that we receive when God endues us with, with a baptism of him. He is a person, right? He is a person, which, which is so crucial for us to remember. And at the same token, just like the wind, the Holy Spirit's presence is known by his effect in our lives. What is the effect of Holy Spirit in and through you, in your marriage, in your home, in your business, in your finances, in your relationships, in your conversation? What is the effect of Holy Spirit while you're driving down the 215 going 25 miles an hour? No, I'm kidding. I I tend to have issues on the road. God is still working those things out in me. (laughs) All right. What What is the effect of Holy Spirit in your life in every aspect of who you are? Wind, let me tell you this, wind is necessary. Did you know this? Wind is necessary for all life on earth. If wind were to cease all around this planet, even for a short period of time, life could not be sustained. Check it out. Just research it. And just as there is no uh, sustaining life without wind, there is no life in God without Holy Spirit. Preceding the wind at Pentecost is the wind or spirit at new birth. We can't be born again without Holy Ghost. So I just wanted to say that first till we get to the next place. Holy Spirit is crucial. Before infilling, we, want, we, we, we strive for what God says in Acts chapter 2, to be filled, to be baptized in Holy Spirit. But first, before we get there, in the New Testament pattern, it's conversion before immersion. We want to be immersed. We want to be baptized. But let's check, let's check our timeline. Have we accomplished one? And I want to invite us in this room, if we have not yet experienced Jesus, if we have not yet been born again, you're going to have an opportunity in just a moment to do that. Number two, the second thing I want to point out, the wind Just like the wind, the Holy Spirit is life-giving. We just read that. Um, Oftentimes, you will see the Greek and Hebrew word for spirit translated meaning with the same meaning of breath or wind. uh, Genesis chapter 2, it says, And the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. You see that there's life produced from this breath. Job 33, 4 says, For the Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. Am I going too fast? Oh, we got, come on now. Can we give a hand to our uh, video? Man, she is, you are doing amazing. Thank you so much. In the, in the vision of the Valley of Dry Bones, and we even sang about this in one of our songs in worship, uh, and, and God uh, um, addresses Ezekiel, and he basically asks Ezekiel a question. He says, check this out. Look at this, look at this Valley of Dry Bones. Can, can, these, can these dry bones live? God poses a question to Ezekiel, and it says this, picking up in verse 5 of 37, Thus says the Lord to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. Skipping down to verse 9. Also he said to me, Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may what? That they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them. The breath came into them, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood up on their feet, exceedingly great army. A couple verses in the New Testament. I love this. This is when Jesus sends out his disciples after he is, or right before he ascends to heaven in John 20. It says, so Jesus said to them, peace to you as the Father has sent me, I also send you. 
And when he had said this, he breathed on them, and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. What was his method for the transference of Holy Ghost from Jesus to his followers, his disciples, the ones to be sent to carry out the mission of the kingdom of God? He breathed upon them. One of the thoughts I had when I read this verse is like, man, Jesus has some great breath, man. Woo, Jesus, you must have some, you got some powerful breath. Powerful in a good way, not powerful in a bad way, right? Sometimes the way my mind thinks when I read through, like I, I think it's crazy stuff like that. Anyway, Jesus' breath was always good, right? Even before toothbrushes and toothpaste and Altoid, breath savers, mouthwash, all this stuff, Jesus, his breath was always good, right? You ever had a conversation with somebody, you know, and you're like you were in close proximity and their breath wasn't quite right, you know? You ever have you ever had that? Like you could tell the effects of maybe like somebody needing a. Or you ever had somebody like like offer you gum or mint, right? You know, and you think like in the back of your mind they have some sort of hinted agenda, like why they're offering that to you. Like, hey bro, you want it, you want a piece of gum? Yeah, take two, right? Look at you with the eyes get all big and say, hey bro, you want a piece of gum? Like, dude, why did you just, like in my mind, why did you just offer me a piece of gum? What are you trying to say, bro? What are you trying to say? Like my wife, she'll offer me a piece of gum. Like, what are you trying to say, Ash? You know what I'm saying? And like, you, you, and then from that point, you get offended. Like, oh, you, oh, you think, oh, okay. You think, you know what? No, I don't want a piece of gum, all right? I don't want your mint. You keep that. A little off subject. I'm sorry. Anyway, Jesus had great breath. And then he breathed upon them, right? John 6, 63, it says, the spirit gives life and the flesh counts for nothing. The words that I've spoken to you, they are full of spirit and full of life. We see this connection of life, what true life really looks like in Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 3, 6, it says, he has made us competent as ministers of the new covenant. I love this passage, not of the letter, but of the spirit, for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. A couple more examples, and then we're going to move on. Um, I love what the, the the example or the, the scenario in the Bible when, when Mary, she conceives by the Holy Spirit, right? The virgin birth. Some of you may not be there believing in the details. Some of you don't fully buy into that Mary was a virgin when she conceived Jesus by the Holy Spirit. You know, you may not be at that place yet, but that's okay. You know, you may, you may, God may need to do a little bit more work in your heart for you to get to that place. I don't just want to assume that. Some people have a hard time believing that Mary really was a virgin. But even if you're not at that place yet and you have a hard time attaining to the fact that Mary really was a virgin and she conceived by the Holy Spirit, she conceived life in her womb and that life was Jesus. I I want you to check this principle out. The Bible says Mary conceived by the Holy Spirit. and, And sometimes... I believe that the message of this passage is the Holy Spirit will at times, he will empower you to birth what you could not birth without his assistance. The Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary, and she was able to birth what she could not birth without his assistance. And the same with us as believers, as we walk with the Lord, and as we commune with the Holy Spirit, that life-giving attribute of Holy Ghost, he will allow us to birth what we could not otherwise birth without his assistance. 
And we know that scripture passage, it says that the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he will quicken our mortal bodies. Anybody need a quickening in their mortal body? Anybody is sick in this room that feel like they need a, a touch from God in their body? Anybody? Okay. There's a, there's a few of us. We want to pray for healing too at the end. Anybody, anybody have a back issue? Anybody have a back issue? Their back is not? Okay. I felt that. I felt that Holy Spirit wanted to heal and touch back issues this morning. And the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, check this out, that very same spirit will quicken or give life to our mortal bodies. If he can raise Jesus from the dead after being dead three days, what can he do in us? If you look at the, in the Greek, that Greek word for quicken, it's, I don't even know if I can pronounce this, zoe piopio. I think I jacked that up. <laughs> that was it, right? <laughs> you can go and research it on, but that Greek word for quicken literally means to revitalize to make alive again or to give life. That's what the Holy Ghost does in us. Lastly, and I want to close with this, if we can have the worship team come up. And I know I got so much more, but that's okay because I just want to leave some room for what Holy Spirit wants to say this morning. If the Holy Spirit, if the worship team can, can make their way up. Being led, I want to say this, being led by Holy Spirit as we venture forward in this journey of faith that God has called us to Oftentimes, more often than not, when Holy Spirit speaks and even he leads, it doesn't make sense. It does not make sense. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, it says, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. He says the natural man can't make, make, necessarily make a connection to what God is saying because they're natural. There needs to be a supernatural or spiritual element for conversion to happen. I love the New, New Living Translation. It says, but people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's spirit. It all sounds foolish to them. They can't understand it, for only those who are spiritual can understand what the spirit means. In other words, God speaks through Holy Spirit. And what he speaks through Holy Spirit will go against oftentimes the natural grain of our understanding or conventional wisdom. And here's one, here's one key indicator that God is speaking to you. Is that what he's telling you may not make sense at all. The natural man, he does not receive the things of the Spirit because the natural man is dependent upon his senses for information. Right? We process things through our senses, right? We're, we're dependent on what comes through our ears, what comes through our eyes, what comes through our smell, through our taste, through our touch. And all of that is sensual. When you hear sensual, we had a certain connotation to it. But when you say the word sensual, it just means that we receive information by all five of our senses. However, when the Holy Spirit speaks, it usually defies your senses, and it doesn't make sense. Check this out. It doesn't make sense to spit on dirt, create mud, and wipe it across somebody's eyes for them to receive their sight. That doesn't make sense. So if you were somebody would tell you to do that, that that's kind of crazy, right? It doesn't make sense to take a sack, sack lunch from a little boy, which is two fish and five loaves, bless it, break it, and multiply it and feed over 5,000 people. That doesn't quite make sense. It doesn't make sense to overcome a city by marching around it for seven days 
and on the seventh day marching around it for seven times and blowing a trumpet to gain the victory. That does not make sense at all. It doesn't make sense to go into battle with an army that's probably three times your size and God say, go in, but don't use weapons, use worship. <laughs> use instruments. Man, I would be so afraid if I'm on the front lines playing the drums. I'm like, oh, Jesus, what are we doing out here? Are we worshiping you. We about to go in. This, this, this is a big army, and I'm out here playing the drums. Like, you ever seen like the Civil, Civil War? And then, you know, they got the guys out front, and they're playing the drums. What are you doing playing music, man? We about to fight. I'm about to lose my life. Often, God, we know that we're in communion with the Holy Spirit when it doesn't make sense. And I think we're at a fault sometimes when we look for everything in our faith to make sense. We look for everything in our life to make sense. God says we walk by faith and not by sight, right? When God called me on this journey almost two years ago now to quit my job, Man, a nice job I had, man, comfortable job, well-paying job. Man, I had worked hard, built up my accounts, and things were just moving almost automatically. And I'm like, Jesus, this is nice. Glory to God. And God says, I want you to leave everything, go quit everything, and I want you to go into an industry you have no clue about. I want you to move into insurance, right, friend? I want you to move into insurance. I want you to do this. God, are you serious? Things are going so well. God says, nope, I want you to go. Talk to my wife. Oh, man, you got to have to take a major pay cut. Still got five mouths to feed. God still got bills that are coming in. God says, nope, trust me. God, but this don't make sense. Nope, trust me. You may be in a place right now where God is calling you to some things where things do not, do not add up, but he's calling you to trust him. But you know what? To walk by faith requires Holy Spirit. Bible says in Ephesians, he says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with Holy Spirit. Some of you, I lost you on that first part, which is okay. <laughs> it's okay. We're going to pray for you. He says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that literally word, if you study it, it literally means continually be filled or be being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not a one-time experience. It's not a one-time event where I say, yay, Jesus, I got you. I got you, Holy Ghost, and now I'm set for all of eternity. That's it literally like the picture of wind and a sail uh, of a ship where it's moving the ship along, and that wind is constantly blowing it forward. Be being filled with the Holy Spirit. It may have been a while since you have been filled with the Holy Spirit. I invite you this morning, come be refilled. Say, man, my faith is a little bit, it's struggling a little bit. I'm struggling a little bit. That's okay. God doesn't have to wait for you to get it all together. Matter of fact, he says, come just as you are, and I'm going to give you exactly what you need. Thank you for listening to The Mountain Podcast. The Mountain Church is located in Las Vegas, Nevada, with services happening every Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. If you'd like to know more about The Mountain Church, please visit us at themtnchurch.com or watch one of our services on YouTube. Again, thank you for tuning in.